Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Well.com podcast. I'm Bo Wigington. In this week's episode, I chat with Ian Johnson from Big Tire Garage and Chris Sherm and John Henderson from ESOB about the different applications of plasma cutting and oxyfuel cutting and the pros and cons of each. They go deep into different problems that people run into when using each process, the safety precautions to keep in mind when using them, and some things that you can do with them that you might not know about. You're going to use both of these a lot in your career, and this episode is chock full of all kinds of useful tips for you. We dive in after a quick word from our sponsors. Are you tired of carrying multiple pieces of equipment on your service truck? Lincoln Electric has introduced the solution, the Ranger Air 260 MPX. This multifunction engine drive combines an air compressor, generator, battery charger, battery jump starter, and multi-process welder in one compact device. Specifically designed for the unpredictable circumstances and job demands of the work truck industry. But that's not all. The Ranger Air 260 MPX is also designed to provide a lower cost of ownership with features such as auto stop-start technology and an electronic throttle body engine with variable engine speed. Don't miss out on this versatile and reliable machine that can handle any demanding job site. Visit www.lincolnelectric.com for more information on the Ranger Air 260 MPX available later this year and save space on your truck for other tools and gear with this compact power horse. Do you all want to introduce yourself to the audience just in case they're not familiar with you and what you do? Sure. My name's Ian Johnson. I basically get to play trucks all day for a living. So I have a, a fake shop where we make a bunch of TV shows in. So we make film for Motor Trend TV, where we make four-wheeler TV. And then we have a couple other studios here on the premises where we make stuff for other networks as well. But I basically spend my day cutting up and modifying off-road trucks and building whatever it is that I feel like building that day. And I get to, because of that job, I spend a lot of my time cutting, grinding, and welding, usually in that order. And so that's what I'm here for today. I'm going to talk about cutting, grinding, and welding on cars that must be a tough job man it's an incredibly tough job i didn't think i'd have it for 20 plus years i thought it was going to be like two years that i'd have to go back and get a real job so one day i'm gonna have to go get a real job again but we'll see what happens now nah, you're good man <laughs> you'll be good how about you john do you want to introduce yourself yeah well unfortunately i do have a real job uh, <laughs> but uh it's it's john henderson i'm with i'm a esob welding and cutting products I'm the sales director for gas equipment. So specifically, my team and I, we work to deliver gas equipment to the market. It's anything to do with gas equipment. That's what we're going to do. I've got about almost 40 years in the industry, so it covers more than gas equipment. But right now, that's where our focus is, specifically anything to do with gas equipment. The Victor brand specifically is uh, where we're we're talking about. And last but not least... You may have heard him before on the podcast, but back again, 
Chris, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, so hi, I'm Chris Sherm. I'm currently the global director for our plasma products and engine drive products uh, here at ESOB. And so love being on here. Thanks, Bo, for having us. Uh, basically, I've spent my whole career cutting things apart before you weld things back together. So everything from plasma to laser to oxyfuel. But uh, with my time here at, at uh, ESOB, I've spent most of it doing plasma. So that's pretty fun. And you can't leave out the ruffian, man. I love mine. That's right. You're in charge of that bad boy. It's a cool That's thing. Right. That's right. Well, I think first and foremost, the thing that people should know off the bat, what are some of the most important safety things to keep in mind when you're using, we'll, we'll start with gas because that is the most volatile mm -hmm. one. Boy, that's that's a big one. You know, it, it's interesting. We do seminars that can last days talking about just safety. But really, when it comes down to it, the first thing that we tell everybody is very simply: it's everyone's responsibility to work safe. You know, so anything that you do, you need to work safe. The second thing that we always tell everyone is follow the guidelines of the manufacturer. Every manufacturer is going to give you specific instructions with the product that you use. Don't take shortcuts, use it, use what's there. And then probably the biggest one, and this is the one that comes more often than not, is understanding the importance of just working safely around the product. And what I mean by that is, you know, oxygen is oxygen, it's not air. So that means that you don't blow off your systems, you use it strictly as oxygen. And then remember that you're working with an open flame and then anything that can come into contact with an open flame that can burn, shouldn't be in the area unless it's supposed to be burned. So that is a very short snippet of a lot of information, but that's really the first that you really need to pay attention to. Ian, in the shop environment, what kind of hazards do you have around that people should be hyper aware of? For oxygen fuel, I think probably the biggest concern in the automotive space is the fact that like if you're working in a fab shop and you got to cut a piece of plate or something with oxygen fuel, you can do all those safety precautions where you can move all that flammable stuff away or move whatever you need to cut away. But in an automotive space, you know, I don't care what you do. The car is going to have a full tank of fuel or it's even worse if it has a half a tank of fuel. Uh, there's going to be the interior in the car, which is incredibly flammable. All the wiring in the car is incredibly flammable. So probably what I would say the number one thing when you're working in an automotive environment with oxy fuel is you need to pay attention to once behind what you're cutting, uh, it's pretty simple just to grab a cutting torch and say, I'm just going to cut this exhaust off. And But you need to realize, like, where's the gas tank in that car? Where are the fuel lines in that car? Where's the wiring harness in that car? You can do a quick internet search and find multiple videos of people cutting something underneath a car, and it's a security camera in the in the shop, and the interior of the car catches on fire. That's not a, that's not a rare thing. It happens quite often. That's not just oxy fuel. That's welding grinding, anything, plasma, anytime I work on a car. So I would say probably the most important safety thing is to understand what's on the other side of what you're cutting, what's around what you're cutting, and you just got to pay attention to that. And it's not like you're going to remove the fuel tank from the car to do the job. So you may be putting in some type of blocking material so you can put either another piece of metal behind what you're cutting to prevent the sparks from getting in different places or uh, weld blankets or anything you can just to sort of protect where you're working. But that's the biggest thing, just looking past the job you're doing right in front of you and realizing what else is around you. And it's not just the vehicle you're working on. Are you cutting the exhaust off the car in your bay when the guy beside you is draining 
a fuel tank, which can happen. So you really have to pay attention to your environment at like a 20,000 foot view, not just, I need to kind of hold this big in the frame today. Yeah. A quick cut can turn into a big problem soon. <laughs> yep, you know? yep. Transitioning over to the plasma side, you know, I feel like people are a little bit more lackadaisical when it comes to plasma cutting. My personal experience seeing people go crazy with them because you don't have this big flame that's coming off of them. But it's still dangerous in that setting. Chris, what are some really big things to keep in mind safety-wise for plasma cutting? Plasma, you, you've got an electrical device, right? So you're not dealing with gas tanks that have acetylene or propylene or propane, something like that in it. And the oxygen, like John mentioned, that, that oxygen is really important to treat it as oxygen, not air. In plasma, I'm plugging it into the wall. There's electricity involved. So common sense, you think, would tell you don't stand in a puddle of water or lay down <laughs> in a puddle of water and, <laughs> and then plasma cut, right? So anything that conducts electricity is what plasma can cut. So it is seeking the ground. You're attaching the ground to the plate or the car or whatever that you're going to be cutting on. And then when you pull the trigger, that arc is there. That arc is very hot. So, you know, whereas oxyfuel, it's debatable. It's all calculated temperatures, right? But you're talking in the thousands of degrees. Well, in plasma, we're talking in the tens of thousands of degrees, right? So it's many times the temperature of the sun. It's a controlled lightning bolt. So if you can imagine how hot a lightning bolt might be, that's what a plasma is. It's very hot. So that's a very concentrated, very hot, small little arc. And so, yes, you can get people lackadaisical because they can, you know, pull the trigger oh, yeah. um, and they think, oh, that, yeah, there it is. And you, you start to cut. Whereas there's more going on with an oxy fuel torch that at least focuses their attention and goes, oh, my gosh, I've got to light this torch. I need to get the settings right there. That, that process in and of itself focuses their attention to cut at least you hope it does whereas with <laughs> whereas with plasma you know plug it in plug your air in and bam you're you're pulling the trigger and oh i think i'm ready to cut i love what ian said and took the words out of my mouth for sure which is your surroundings i, I always love to say put your head on a swivel whenever i'm in an in a industrial environment of any kind head on a swivel you know you you really do need to pay attention to where are your sparks going oftentimes in in automotive, but in other, other applications too, your material makes a difference. So mild steel, when you cut mild steel, the BBs falling on the floor tend to dissipate and cool pretty quick. Aluminum, when you cut that, it like splatters and sticks on whatever it cuts, right? So now all of a sudden, it, it, what's your clothes look like? Your clothes look like Swiss cheese after that. <laughs> the, BB, the BBs don't bounce off of you when you cut aluminum. And the opposite's true with stainless very heavy BBs and they they'll dance across the floor 20 feet right and so what Ian said about the the next bay next to you if you're cutting a like on a frame on a sand rail that's made out of chromoly dude those BBs bounce and they'll be 20 30 feet away from you and still glowing red so that's the benefit of plasma that oxyfuel can't necessarily cut well is all those stainlesses and weird materials. Well, the safety aspect of that is making sure where those sparks end up and what they're impacting. You saying that, you know, the benefits, I think that would be a good transition into why would I want to use a gas torch compared to a plasma torch? Like what, what are the big benefits of each in your own opinions? I'll start off and then pass it to you guys. The plasma can cut anything that conducts electricity. So you're not limited to things 
that only oxidize. But I've got major limitations. I can't heat. I can't braise, right? Rose budding is a, is a real key piece of it that I want you know, John to, to speak about. When you're bending or heating or braising something, I can't do that. I can gouge you know, if you're going to remove a weld or remove a rivet, something like that. So there's some technical benefits to plasma that I can do uh, with plasma that I can't do with oxyfuel necessarily. So the biggest benefit really is that material aspect of it. The second benefit, in my opinion, Ian touched on it, which is warpage, right? If I'm cutting with plasma, my arc is very hot, but I'm also able to travel much faster. So I can ruin a car very quickly with an oxyfuel torch warping things. Mm-hmm. But I can also heat and bend and shape things with that ser- very same tool. And that's why it's so beneficial. So use the right tools for the right application. You need both. You need both oxyfuel and plasma. You're not going to get rid of one over the other. Pay attention to what the application is. And that's really where the benefit comes in. On the oxyfuel side, the big one for me in that is I don't need to plug in anything. You know, it's like I don't need any electrical components to use oxyfuel, but Outside of that, what would you say some of the, the other benefits are going to be? Chris mentioned it pretty well. The, the biggest benefit you're going to have with OxyFuel is going to be the ability to do multi-process. Not only am I going to be able to cut, but I'm going to be able to heat. I can weld, I can braise, I can solder. I can do all of those applications. Portability in some instances could be better. You, know, you, you touched on the fact of having to be able to have an electrical uh, power source of some, some nature. Also, the other one that wasn't mentioned is having an air source. You know, unless you have a plasma system that has an integrated um, compressor, which are typically fairly small, you still have to have auxiliary air of some sort. So those are the real keys. Chris mentioned very, very clearly, oxyfuel is limited to anything that can oxidize. So you're, you're talking about mild steel. But the multi, multiple applications that you got are going to be the key. While this doesn't necessarily apply to manual plasma, and this is a, an interesting concept, a lot of people don't realize this, but when you're cutting, especially thicker material, oxyfuel can actually give you a zero bevel, so a zero degree bevel face, where plasma cannot. It, just because of the nature of the way that the arc transfers, there is going to be a bevel. And again, under normal circumstances, manual, not a big deal, but thicker material, yeah. You get a one degree bevel on a very expensive piece of material that you're trying to put two gears together, you know, you're going to see people are going to use oxyfuel for that. So a little a bit of information for you there. In the like car world, Chris, you kind of touched on warping. That's the big thing I've heard about oxyfuel when it comes to the automotive world. Ian, what kind of things have you seen in your time working on cars? What have been some downfalls of the oxyfuel in the automotive world? I don't think there's a downfall of the oxyfuel. I think it's what John and Chris said. You got to look at the job. You got to have both pieces of equipment, especially in the automotive space, because the the, the technology of the plasma, you got to think of it like a welder, right? You have to be able to conduct electricity for that item to work correctly. You drag a, a frame or an old car out from some field somewhere and it's 80% rusted metal, the mm-hmm. plasma cutter is going to struggle to conduct the current needed to have a stable arc on the plasma cutter. Anytime you work on anything that's rusted, you just know it's near impossible because you're trying to push that electrical arc. It's just like welding something that's covered in rust. You can't do it. You have to grind that rust off if you're going to weld on it. 
And you have to look at it the same way with the plasma cutter. The plasma cutter works great on that piece of P&O plate that I just pulled off the sheet rack and threw on my plasma table. It cuts it beautifully. Now, the 14 bolt that looks like it spent the past 30 years underneath water in someone's backyard and I need to shave all the brackets off of it, the plasma cutter is the worst tool for that. And that's <laughs> where the OxyFuel shines. I think for, for me personally, that's basically what it boils down to. If I'm working with super clean metal, like brand new metal, the plasma cutter, hands down, that's where you're going to go because you can work it fast and, and efficient and it works great. Anytime you're into that old metal that has any type of rust or paint contamination or anything that you don't want to spend the time cleaning prior to cutting, the OxyFuel Torch is, is going to be the, the place to go. And it's just, there's also the fact that personally for me, the OxyFuel Torch, it's, it's quiet. It's, it's in the shop. Yeah. It's like, I say to everyone, it's like those sand, those little Zen gardens where you like sand, you, you rake the sand into the little shapes. It's supposed to be all relaxed. You fire up the Oxyfield Torch, you can still hear the radio playing in the background. You can listen to music for your podcast. You can, you can just be cutting away. You fire up the plasma cutter. It's, it's loud. It, it's efficient, but it's loud. And at the end of the day, it, that, that's what it boils down to. It's like, you see, but you still have to have both. You don't have an option. Unless you're always working on brand new cars, You've got to have both tools in the toolbox. There is a little trick of the trade that I learned out in California working on some of those old cars, right? So there's a whole crew out there that did a ton of Mercury's and a ton of old F100 trucks and whatnot. And you would, you're right. It's a bucket of bolts. It's so rusty. And so I had an old timer. He goes, dude, watch this. And so basically he takes the thin metal and he pans out the new, the new metal into that rusty floorboard using the old fleshy, rusty floorboard, and then he, he clamps it into place. And because the plasma can cut through both of them at the same time, he cuts on the new metal, mm -hmm. and that arc carries through the old metal. That's a neat idea. Yeah. Right? Cool right? Idea. And, and so then he basically makes the new floor pan, cuts both of them out at the same time, the old rusty junk is gone. He lays that new floor pan right in the same spot and starts welding tack, tack, and starts welding it in. Yeah. So what Ian said about conducting electricity, the other trick that you can do is that the ground is the key. It has to connect, right? So that's the mistake that a lot of people make is they're looking for that arc. And, you, and Ian's right. It doesn't want to because they've typically taken that ground and they've just connected it to the rusty metal. Well, if you take the arc of the torch or you take your grinder and you arc off some small section, right, and then connect your ground to that spot that you just did, even if the other material is rusty, your ground now made the connection, now it'll cut. You can't connect the ground just right on top of all that rust, scale, paint, all that. Probably the biggest application I saw of that, and it's a nasty job. It's, it should be on one of those you know, shows like Dirty Jobs, right? is the trash trucks. So, yeah, man, it's, it's disgusting. But you can imagine that trash truck comes in after a year of service and they're going to cut out different sections of it. Plasma is beautiful for that because all of that trash and oil and everything that just gets caked everywhere, the plasma cuts through it fast enough that you don't get a lot of flare-ups. But the problem is, is the ground. So when that trash truck comes in, they take the plasma or their grinder, and they grind off or they burn off someplace through all that paint and grime and nastiness, connect their ground, and now they can go cut out the sections they need to. 
that's a dirty job. But at least then it connects yes. the electricity. You have to connect the electricity, like Ian said. You don't, you're not cutting. So there's a, there's a good example where oxy fuel might be better. I'd use a six foot long torch and not have to get up inside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stay, stay away from stay away from the smelly parts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> until, until you smell smell burning trash truck, you don't know that's what it. the sound yeah. of yeah. is like. It's terrible. I do have to tell you that's the first time anybody's ever. Uh, Used a comparison of a Zen garden to using oxy fuel. I know, right? It's <laughs> true. I don't care what anyone says. It's absolutely true. The, but there's a comfort level. So you see the gray hair in my beard. It's, uh, I grew up on oxy fuel. I grew up doing that. There is a comfort level with my oxy fuel torch, right? And I still pull that out, even though I've got access to all my plasmas. I still pull my oxy fuel torch out, particularly what John said. If I'm cutting something thicker and I'm in my home garage, I only have 230 volt, you know, 20 amp breaker. You, know, you do the simple math, that's 4,000 watts, right? And if I'm going to cut 5 8 inch thick material, you're not doing that with 4,000 watts, right? So out comes my oxy fuel torch. So thickness plays a role. And then you will get, if I'm using a smaller amperage plasma, I'm going to get a bevel that looks like this, right? I've got to mm -hmm. go up an amperage to get that thing squared up, right? Whereas oxy fuel torch, John, here's where we could compare. <laughs> What's the thickest you've ever hand cut with, with oxy fuel? I know for me, it was a, um, a sprocket from, a, from a, a shipyard and no lie, it was 14 inches thick. And I cut it with my Victor torch back in the day. This is 20-something years ago. Yeah, Dude, it 14, was an experience, right? <laughs> I've done 14-inch material. But the hardest thing I ever did was a it was a solid steel shaft that was 12 inches. So this is 12 inches in diameter. Oh, but it's round. You're it's starting diameter. that. Yeah, yes. that's hard. Yeah, yeah I've that's done, like, I've done That's like starting on the edge of this, right? <laughs> on the outside. Yeah, so if no one's ever done that, grab a grab a ten inch diameter pipe and go to cutting. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard, right? It'll you got to get that arc. You got to get the puddle started. Yep. Breaking down for people who might not be like they're new to this. They're new to either oxy fuel or they're new to plasma cutting. Let's talk. Like you've given me a lot of tips, but let's talk about tips. You know what I'm talking about? Mm. Like let's talk mm -hmm. about the different types of tips that you can use on the uh, oxy okay. fuel. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. See you. See you. I love puns. See, I went. Uh, I went pun. there. I went there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, with oxy fuel, like, what are the different types of tips that you could use? Because a lot of people think, you know, either rosebud or cutting, but there's a lot of different types of things you can do with an oxy fuel torch. Yeah, the the simple ones, just at the high level. You know, you've got cutting, you have welding, you have heating, and then even when you get into the welding, you can say brazing as well. Those are all different types or categories even within those categories you have different tips that you can use as well for instance when we start looking at cutting that's the one that's going to have the majority of them cutting you could have beveling tips you can have washing tips you could have extra length tips so we make a tip that's 10 inches long so if you get into an area where you can't get the torch head to the the area you need to cut the tips longer we have what we call a button tip it's designed, it was originally designed for the boiler industry, but it's just the opposite. You have a tight area that you cannot get the, the, a normal torch tip into, you can get into that area. So depending on the type of applications that you're working on, we've got consumables that fit that. Even when you look at the heating, 
the the different sizes. That's a big thing that we didn't really talk about when we're looking at safety, but everything should match what you're trying to do. You know, if I'm if I'm cutting two inch material, I shouldn't be using a tip that's designed to cut 12 inch and vice versa. I'm trying to cut two inch material. I don't want a tip that's designed to cut quarter inch material. Uh, same thing even with the rest of your, your system should marry. But you've got consumables that match all of the different applications that you're going to work with, depending on what you need to do. And it's pretty extensive. Uh, like I said, the most extensive is the cutting, you know, followed by some of the welding. And those have to do with typically the amount of heat that I want to put into it. You know, even with the, the welding tips, just the, the size of the orifice is going to give you the ability to weld or braze bigger, thicker material. Same thing with heating. You know, you, we can put as much as actually over a, a million BTUs of heat into something. So just the opposite. So you get an old truck or an old piece of equipment that's bent that you need to make straight again. Well, now it's time to put heat into it. So you can put some significant heat into the into that material so that you can straighten it a lot easier. Or, you know, one thing that we didn't talk about when you, you know, Ian, when you were talking about some of these old pieces of equipment, a lot of times... It's you need to get something that's um, been almost rusted together by heating it and cooling it. You can release that. That's another just a different application that you can use for that. But that gives you a, a basic overview of the, the consumables, the tips like you're talking about. Ian, in the automotive world, what are some uses of like those different tips that you would use? Like if you're working on a truck, what different tips would you be using? We're going to use basically with with oxy fuel. We're going to just scratch the surface, you know, because in the automotive space, you're not trying to cut specialized pieces. You're never cutting something that's 14 inches thick, you know. We're yeah. cutting stuff, <laughs> you know, might be might be three eighths of an inch thick. If that's that's a that's a big day for us. Um, but you're gonna you're gonna want to have you know you can everything that's in the basic journeyman outfit that you're gonna buy like a Victor journeyman good entry level oxy fuel torch kit. It's going to have everything you need. You know, it's going to have a rosebud in it. Uh, and you're going to use that just for, just as John said, just heating stuff. Like whenever you work on, if you, well, I say old cars, but originally I'm from Canada. So in Canada, anything that's older than two years is rusted solid because that's just the way life is. <laughs> and anything that's got rust on it, you're going to want to have the ability to put heat into it. Um, we use the rosebud uh, occasionally just, you know, if we're working on something, if we need to heat up a gear that's going to slide over a crankshaft, or you just want to basically put a large amount of heat into a cast item or a, or a steel item that you need to make larger, that's use a rosebud for. Uh, if you're doing some specialized sheet metal stuff, nothing new because everything new is made out of like aluminum foil. But back in when they used to build cars out of like 16 gauge, 18 gauge metal, you can use that rosebud to shrink and stretch that metal while you're working on the car. So if you're working on older cars, those rosebuds are handy. I think the tip that gets most overlooked is, is the welding tip. I tell people all the time, you know, especially nowadays with the next level of, of tradespeople that are coming up, it gets so easy for them to like leapfrog technology just because it's accessible. You know, mm -hmm. when I when I started as a, as a, when I wanted to learn how to weld, the TIG welder that I learned on had like a hand crank. If you wanted the high frequency start, you had to like spend five minutes cranking this wheel, and then you can have a high freak start. Nowadays, you could you could spend a couple hundred couple hundred bucks, and you have a high frequency start TIG welder. So I think that. When the tradespeople are coming up today, they're, they're like they're like leapfrogging the technology instead of starting in the basement where a lot of people started. 
but there's some good skills there. If you learn how to, when I taught high school, I would actually, before students were allowed to use a TIG welder, they had to learn how to weld with an oxy fuel rig because it's the same, it's the same muscle memory. And so I think a lot of people forget that that's a great skill just to have in your, in your toolbox. Because if, if you fire up that welding tip and you practice just welding coupons together, the muscle memory and the skill that you, that transfers over into TIG welding is actually quite useful. And having the ability to do that with an oxy fuel uh, kit is super, super handy because sometimes you have to do it. Sometimes you have to brace. If you're trying to save the rusty old exhaust that is on your tractor, and you're not going to weld it. You're not going to weld it together if it's rusty and old, but you can braze it. So if you get out that welding tip and some good old flux-covered brazing rod, you can glue that together to get you through another season of, of using that tractor if you have to. So I think that just the, those basic tips. Then obviously, like John said, cutting tip. You're going to use the cutting tip all the time just when you're ripping stuff apart. That's just that's just light. You know? so, but those three basic tips on the oxy fuel rig are what you're going to use in the automotive space. Uh, and 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 can help you gain skills to transfer into other forms of welding as well. And there's there's no such thing as walking the torch, right? No, there's no. no. <laughs> no, there's no. But you know, that, I, I've the the big thing now. I've seen guys who are like it's crazy. There's like huge resurgence right now, especially now because we have a lot of aluminum moving into the automotive space, and and even just in the custom car world because. I think honestly, it's because the price of steel and aluminum have started to kind of level off, and so guys are like, "Oh, learn how to use that. I'll build that out of aluminum instead of steel." And there's a lot of guys who are working with uh, oxy fuel torch and aluminum, basically learning, like relearning that skill of of basically welding aluminum because of the fact that when they do it, you can then metal form that material because uh, what you can do is. When you tape weld it, you end up with a very hard, hardened edge. So when you try to run that through either an English wheel or a, a power hammer, it's hard and it cracks. Whereas if you torch weld that together, it, the you don't anneal the material as much, so it's easier to keep working it. So if you're doing a lot of like super custom aluminum work, uh, it sounds it sounds silly, but if we're in the if we're in the high end automotive customizing space, there's actually guys out there who are building full. They look like a Porsche 356 Roadster, all out of aluminum. Oh, man. And they use oxy fuel for almost 90% of their metalworking. You can also use the oxy fuel rig. Another trick to have is have that rosebud is if you have a piece of aluminum and you're going to work it, like you're going to sheet metal work it, what you do is you basically soot that, soot, soot that whole piece of plate up and you basically set your torch so it's just blowing out soot and you just blacken that whole whole piece of material out. Then you come back and you set your flame so you actually burn that soot off. And you guys should come back and you'll burn the soot off. What that does, it normalizes the sheet. And so basically at a molecular level, now it's all the same structure. And now when I work that sheet, there's not hard and soft spots inside of it. So it seems silly, but I mean, just having that having that rig to be able to play that, do that, that piece of material, then it helps you move on to the next step in the process, which is running it through an English wheel or a power hammer or just a hammer sandbag. Yeah, it, it's it's just it's all that old school stuff that you should have learned, but you didn't have to learn it because now you can just walk down and buy that part at the store. I love that you said those things because it brought back memories from 15, 16 years ago for me. I haven't I haven't touched that because, like you said, I leapfrogged a ton of yeah. it. Like I'm like, 
That's right. That's right. I remember that guy sitting, sitting the material up and burning it off and telling me why that was important. That's crazy. Yep. And then you bring it up here and I haven't, I haven't heard that in 15 years, man. Yeah. That's, in, in, that's in cool. In the high end hot rod market, it's still a very common thing. And it is, I, I honestly think there's got, right now we have, we have people who are building more, more aluminum has become more of a commonplace in, in the high end car building space. And I that's think, I super think cool. It's cost. I think it's cost. Interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah. Well, on the plasma side, so you were talking about gouging and cutting. A lot of people never even know you can gouge with plasma. But right. What are some different ways you can use a plasma cutter? So the tips, like when John said, I've got this tip and that tip, and that, you know, and I know I've looked in the Victor catalog and you, I don't know, it's very nerdy of me, but you know, oh man, I'd like that one and like that one, right? And you see all the different shapes of the tips and the reach and whatnot. And I, I have electricity to, to worry about. So I have a little prop here, but that's what all of my tips look like. Right. So we talk about the last tip, right? That's the external piece that you see sticking out the end of the plasma torch. Well, all my tips basically look that, that same because the electricity that's happening on the backside, all those gaps, they matter. Right. So I'm, I'm managing gaps at the thousandth of an inch or less level. When you're dealing with tens of thousand degrees, that heat affected zone that you see that heat striation, if this mm -hmm. was off by another thousandth of an inch, I would see that heat more on this side than this side. But you see how even that is all the way around, right? Mm -hmm. That heat affected zone didn't change as I spin that around, right? So that's, that's the accuracy that has to be in these things. That's why those matter. But then the end of it, right, the hole, you can kind of see the light there, right there, there you go, right? So the, that, that hole matters. And so like John was saying, with the different size tips, the same thing applies in plasma. So I've got um, amperage that I push through this, whether it's 30 amp, 40 amp, 50 amp, 60 amp, right? So the bigger I go in amperage, it's much like on your oxy fuel tip where you have double aught, aught, and one, right? Two zeros, a zero, and a one, right? Or even higher, right? When we were talking about super thick, I cut that with a number eight tip, right? So um, got through it barely, but it did it, right? <laughs> a number eight, number eight has a hole that's almost the size of my pinky, right? It's huge. This is quite small. And so I don't have that big, huge selection or smattering of tips. I've got some, some amperages, right? And the system determines how big of an amperage you've got. So uh, Ian mentioned three-eighths inch material. Well, a 50 amp plasma can cut everything you need in, a, in an automotive shop, right? Even a 30 amp plasma for the most part can cut everything you need, only 30 amps, 110 out of the wall. So as you go thicker, you can use a bigger amp tip, but it doesn't help you to like put a 50 amp tip and then run it at 30 amps. It cuts terribly. Don't do that, mm -hmm. right? The tips are made for the thickness that it is. Same is true in oxy fuel. Don't put a, a number two tip in and then try to cut 10 gauge material. Looks horrible, right? You put a double lot tip in there and set your gas pressures right and you, and you can do a beautiful cut, right? So same is true here. Gouging is a little bit different uh, on, on our systems. We have A, B, C, D, and E size tips. That's basically the size of the hole again on the end. But if I put like an A tip in and I run it at only 20 amps, I could wipe a diamond off a diamond plate. I can be that surgical, right? I could, I could wipe uh, the top of a rivet, like the size of the, my pinky nail, right? And just go whoosh, and the, and the rivet 
little button is gouged off, I didn't damage the underlying material. So when you talk about old cars and like fender flares and stuff like that that were riveted on, don't don't go ruining your car and cutting all your car apart. Just just go and you go you remove the little button heads on the top of the rivets, and the next thing you know, that whole fender flare comes off, and all your original rivet holes are still there. Right, that's a that's an awesome way to do it, and that comes back to again choosing a smaller tip, size A on the gouging, turn that down to twenty amps, and then just wipe off that that little button head. Um, the opposite would be like if I had a fifty amp plasma, I put the size B gouging tip in there, turn it all the way up to fifty amps. Well, now I can gouge off a, a an engine mount right that's got a quarter or three eighths inch fillet weld on it, and just go wham, wham and off it goes. And I'm not spending a bunch of time grinding, right? That gouge is wonderful. So you mentioned, you know, most people don't know they can gouge with plasma. Try it. You will absolutely love it. Same thing is true with OxyFuel, by the way, right? You can gouge with an OxyFuel torch and it's awesome, right? Um, I've, I did a job where we gouged at uh, one of the copper mines and they have wear plates. Tried plasma. It, it actually works way better with an oxy fuel torch, right? You're, it it was a, a phenomenal application for oxy fuel, and so those type of applications is what you want to dive into and pay attention to the tip selection, and it'll make your job that much easier. Hey, Bo, don't don't think that you have to use the the um, the sound effects when you're doing that. It works without them. <laughs> I love I, the sound effects, man. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta have sound. You effects, gotta have man. sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how are, yeah. How are you going to be able to replicate it if you don't know what it sounds like? You exactly. Know? Right. One thing I wanted to talk about on both the plasma and the oxyfuel setup is pressure. So, like air pressure on each side. You know, it's like, because I know acetylene, you, there's a cutoff. You don't want to go over 15 PSI because it'll blow up. But how do you conceptualize to people how to balance that pressure? So say I'm cutting with a plasma torch. Like, how do I know what kind of PSI to put behind the amperage, you know? So the, the modern plasmas are going to do that for you. Just like you said, leapfrogging earlier, <laughs> Ian. <laughs> Uh, the, the younger generation, they're just spoiled rotten, right? They just, you just plug it in and it works. Yep. What happened to being able to twist some knobs and dials and, and really mess things up first before it works right? So you're right, Bo, like, uh, like the, the pressures matter. So you need to supply 90 to 110 PSI to the backside of the plasma cutter. Not unlike what your, your oxy fuel, you know, you have to have pressure and flow rate supplied through the regulator to your torch and then you can fine tune things right same thing on plasma i want 90 to 110 psi to the back of the system and that's air not oxygen don't treat oxygen like air do not put oxygen into the back of your plasma that's a recipe for disaster so that that pressure matters and then the the system is going to regulate it down typically in that 70 to 75 psi range for cutting typically in the 55 to 60 psi range for gouging to start with the second half of that is not just pressure, but flow rate. So I've oftentimes seen, here's a little tip, is you see those little air, air hoses that look like Piggly Wigglies, and they're like, you know, this big around on the inside, and then they wonder why their plasma isn't cutting right, mm. right? So, so make sure you've got like quarter or three-eighths inch 
uh, air hose that's appropriate. And then if you've got like a shop that's huge and you've got 200 feet of airline, your flow rate is not going to be there if you're on little bitty 3 inch coily piggy tail air hose. So you, you want to have a bigger air hose so that that flow rate gets all the way to the end of the hose to your plasma. So pay attention to both pressure and flow rate. On the, the oxyacetylene side, what about that? Is there different pressures that you use or is it just pretty standard? No, it's, it's definitely different. If you remember when we first started, one of the things you were asking is, you know, what do you need to look at from a safety perspective? And the second thing I said is you should always refer back to the operating manual. It's like every Victor product that we sell comes with instructions. It gives you an operation manual. And in that, there's going to be a cutting guide or a welding guide or a heating guide. And those guides will do just that. It will guide you based on the size of the material that you're working with to give you the recommended consumable to use and then the recommended pressure settings and flow settings for each one of those. And while some are close, they're going to, in terms of what most people work with, and when we get into these, we, we joked about cutting 12 and 14-inch material. That's very few and far between. But it is critical to understand that more is not always better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have That's probably one of the biggest things that we see when people ask us, what's wrong with you know this, that, or the other? One of the first things we ask when we start walking through, you know, what are your settings? That's usually one of the first things we ask. What are your settings? And more often than not, we find that people have a tendency to pressurize their systems higher than what they should be, assuming that that's going to give them more gas to do a better job, which will actually do just the opposite. It can get them into situations, as you just indicated, if you're using that pressure well beyond what you should be doing um, safely with acetylene, that can create an environment that, yes, ultimately you could have an explosion. So we, we try to tell people that we give you those barriers for a reason. And it's not just the safety, it's also the performance. Product that we produce is actually engineered and designed to work at very precise levels. You know, so if I have a tip that's designed to work with, let's say, oxygen between 20 and 30 PSI and acetylene between 5 and 7 PSI, it is engineered to work with that gas pressure to give them optimal flow because of the burning velocity of the gas. I mean, it's, it's that level of detail that goes into it. So don't try to force more into it thinking that I can do a better job. If, it's, if you're trying to cut thicker material and you're not able to do it with the consumable that you're working with, giving it more gas isn't going to get you there. Go get the consumable that you need. So absolutely, it's, it's as Chris said, Pressure, flow matters, 100%. I love what John just said, too. And one thing to add to that is, you know, when he said that that operating window for the fuel gas and the oxygen, when you push the lever on the oxy fuel and you see that beautiful stinger come out, when those pressures are right and your tip is, is in good operating condition, you see a beautiful stinger, right? And that's clean. You know you're going to do a good cut when it looks like that. Same is true on plasma. If I pull that trigger... And that arc does not look like a nice, sharp dart, right, coming out the end. And it comes out, and it looks like, <laughs> right? <laughs> you, have to, you have to do the facial expressions and the sound effects, John, I was, right? I was so, say, like, like, that's, that'll be the freeze that you do, Bo, at the beginning of, uh, uh, 
<laughs> oh that's lord the thumbnail so right there that's that's the thumbnail right and so when your when your arc comes out the tip and it looks like that something's wrong and odds are john is dead on i get the phone call what's wrong with my plasma and they've got that air like cranked you're right just cranked and they're putting 120 psi all the way to the tip no wonder why it's cutting terrible just remember more is not always better mm-hmm. it's correct that is very interesting when I first got into plasma, like working with plasmas, I was using random machines. You know, it's like you, every machine's going to be totally different. And when, it, like, like you were saying, A, B, C, D, it's like those, when you have no idea what they do, it's all guesswork. So I would always turn it all the way up. I'm like, we're, we're getting through whatever we're, get, we're mm-hmm. going to put this on. But I'm going to make it work. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and it didn't. Uh, but, <laughs> but as far as, so, like, with people who are interested, you know, it's like they're tired of their grinder. They want to throw out those wheels, and they want to start cutting stuff faster. I always love giving people advice on this podcast. So, I'd love to go around. And if you all could give just your best advice for someone who might be hesitant into jumping into the world of plasma or oxyfuel. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is because I started off my world in woodworking. Right. My grandfather was a boat builder and a cabinet maker. So at a very young age, I got introduced to cutting things with a saw and hammering it. And if you have a hammer, you're going to hit it. Right. So woodworking is where my background started in. And if you've ever taken a saw and tried to cut even through a half inch of steel, just a half inch, then you're like, oh, my gosh, when is this going to get done? Right. And then you pull the trigger on a plasma and a half a second later, that half inch is gone. Whoa, you, you feel like Thor, right? You mm-hmm. feel, you feel like, a, like a demigod, right? The same is true in oxyfuel. When you, when you pull that trigger you know, or push the lever for the oxygen and that oxidation starts and you're just, man, you're melting away the material. It's amazing, right? You feel amazing. So from a tips standpoint, always take a look at the material you're about to cut on or heat on and just take a moment to sit and think about, okay, what's my end goal? Where am I headed with this? Measure twice, cut once is what my grandpa always said, right? We've probably all heard that before. You think about it and then you take an approach. And I'm eager to hear what Ian might say about these things because I've seen him work. It's awesome, right? When you see a guy work in their element and it's just the tips and tricks just keep coming, right? So I've stolen many tips and tricks from people like Ian, right? So you watch them work and you go, oh, man, why didn't I think of that 10 years ago, right? So measure twice, cut once. Think about the tool you're about to use. Observe your environment and then... And then you set a, a, a game plan and it'll save you hours, right? I've seen guys just, t- oh, I got to, I got to, I got to scrap this apart or I've got to, I've got to get started on this car right away. And they start removing things and then like, well, I don't want that. I want the front clip gone or I want this, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to change this. And then they cut stuff that they do wrongly, right? And now they just created a, ton more work for themselves don't do that right so think about your plan of action that's kind of the first thing i'd, I'd come at think it through you gotta think it through yeah and and both from my side it's comparable but the one thing that i tell people is especially when i have somebody that's new when they're looking at oxy fuel there's there's normally a fear factor that they have 
Mm-hmm. The thing that I always tell people is don't be afraid of what you're doing. Respect it, but don't be afraid of it. The other thing is, and I know that we're about to do this, be cautious of everything that you see on the web. Unfortunately, I see a tremendous amount of information that's put out on the web that is not only wrong, it's dangerous. So be clear on where you're getting your information. I can tell you from Victor's standpoint, Aesop's standpoint, we have a library of information that can walk you through anything you want to do. Take your time, understand the product that you're working with, respect it, but know that it's going to do the work for you. Make sure that you're getting competent information on how to use it properly. And then just practice. Don't try to shortcut the things that you're doing, but practice what you are going to be doing. And what you're going to find, I, I, I like your, your comment, Chris, about Thor. You know, always think about when people, especially the first time they oxy-fuel cut, once they do it the first time, it is amazing. It's universal. They've got the biggest smile on their face. Mm-hmm. It's just, I just cut stale. <laughs> I made fire. And it is. But again, I, I always go back to that. So just, just don't be afraid of it. Respect it. Get good information. Go to people like him. Go, go to your, your podcast, Bo. Go to, go to Esob's website. Get good, valid information and tools on how to use the equipment that you're working with. And then just enjoy it. Enjoy what you're doing. I really, I think that's the best thing. Enjoy what you're doing because it, it is fun. This industry is fun. It so is so much fun. It, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So have fun with it, but do it safely. Got to be safe. All right. Now it's it's time for the master. Yes. Yeah, for the master. All right. Let's get All on. Right, let's tip. see what big words of wisdom. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. So I think if I'm looking at, at you, you kind of set it off the, the head there, Bo. You said, I want to get rid of my grinder and I want to start cutting. I would say the Number one tip is to understand that you're not going to get rid of the grinder ever. The reality is that whether it's oxyfuel or plasma or hand plasma or mechanized plasma, I don't care how good you are, each one of them is just a tool in the process to get something done. Even if I pull a piece of plate off of my plasma table that I've spent five hours drawing and I know it's going to be perfect, there's still going to be another step to the process before that thing gets welded together. So it's just like Sherm said, you have to see the big picture. So you need to understand that every skill that you attain is another tool in your individual toolbox to complete what you want to complete. So if you want to build cars for a living, or even if you just want to be a mechanic and just want to fix cars for a living, you're still going to be at a point somewhere in that career where you're going to have to cut metal. Eat no matter what, whether you're cutting a old exhaust off of a car or 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 just just doing something. Anytime you even as, as just a straight mechanic, you're gonna need to be able to cut metal. Now, whether you choose to do that with an oxy fuel torch or with a plasma cutter is gonna be it's gonna depend on the job, which is what it's gonna boil down to. So understanding that you need to have both those skills in your personal toolbox, that's probably the first tip. And then the second tip is kind of like what John said. It's just like understanding that, you know, everything that you learn is, is a good thing to learn. And so look at the experts and, and find the people that, that know what they're doing and learn from them and then put that into your own world. I would say those are probably two big tips. And then the other thing would be, we didn't really talk about this, but kind of talk about with, 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 with the compressed air and, and tips. 
is when you're using a plasma cutter in your shop, you got to understand, yes, flow is important and pressure important, but also the cleanliness of that air is also super important. So when you're setting up your shop and you're, you've gone out and you've bought this plasma cutter, unless you want to buy tips every single week, don't plug it into a $100 air compressor that looks like a fire hose spraying air, spraying water out of the shop mm-hmm. every time you use it. You got to get the water out of that compressed air. When you have an air compressor, one of the byproducts of the of what happens inside an air compressor is moisture. It, you can't get away from that. It's going to happen. So in that world, what I did when I built my shop, I went to some of my friends who are super high-end painters, and I said, how do I get all the moisture out of my out of my shop air before it gets to my plasma table? And we designed my entire shop air layout. It goes through two different dryers, two different desiccant filters, and then into a refrigerator that then pulls more moisture out before it gets to the plasma cutter. And that extends the life of my tool. So understanding that just because you bought that plasma cutter and you've got an air compressor, it's not going to be all peaches and, and cream. You have to like think through, all right, well, maybe I should try to do something about all this water that's coming out of this air compressor before I use the tool. Yep. So that's, that's also part of it is, is understand the process. And that way, when you have a problem, you can diagnose it yourself. You don't have to mm-hmm. call John or Chris. Because I'm sure, Bo, you'll put their cell numbers up on the screen. Oh, right? totally. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. No, I have a problem with your oxy fuel tarp. <laughs> no, the, the other Call, tip yeah. I want to say is, is Victor has done a better job at, at designing their oxy fuel torches with that built-in hammer head on the back of the torch than than uh than uh than the plasma cutter. The plasma cutter, you can't use it as a hammer as well as you can with the oxy that's, fuel torch. That's an expensive <laughs> hammer, my friend. That's an expensive <laughs> hammer. No, the and, best good ones point. are. Good point on the clean air, and it goes back again to flow rate. So what he said, the key operative is he and a friend went and they designed the air system, and the key operative on that is designed so that he's getting pressure and flow to the end. Because if you just stack a bunch of filters in a row, mm-hmm. you might have pressure, but no, no flow. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so be be sure as you put that together that you're thinking through getting pressure and flow all the way to clean air pressure and flow all the way to that plasma. That's a great tip, Ian. Thank you. And another tip. All right. Here's one. I don't know if y'all have heard. All right. So, you know, the beads you put in these, in the, in the air dryers, the little, that's mm -hmm. going to be, did you know you can bake them and restore them? Like you can bake all the moisture out and then you're like, see, there you go. There you go. Quit buying beads, man. Quit buying beads. (laughs) There you go. Didn't know so, that. No, I was just chucked them and put new one in, new cartridge in. But that might be some of that that information you hear on the internet that's false, you know. I don't know. <laughs> but I have tried it. I have baked them and they worked like it extends it, but Okay. But just say it. Something to try if you got time to just waste, you know. Oh, but, there you go. <laughs> but I did have I have one thing that I think would be really awesome that everyone is always asking. How do you cut a straight line using an oxy fuel torch? Well, there's a couple. We make guides that if you wanted to use a guide, that you can do that. The other one really comes down to remember one of the things I said: practice. Practice. You get you get somebody if you mark a line and you use practice, you can make a very straight cut. And I have been amazed with this. I've seen cutters in my lifetime that have no marking, 
no indications, no anything that would make the cleanest, straightest cut freehand that you would not imagine. And it's just because of repetition. Just amazing. So use the tools that are out there. You can use guides, you know, use your marking and practice. That's going to be the big one. Practice, practice. I would say, I would say dry run it. I never, that's the one thing I I see fewer and fewer people do. Everyone like, even with welding, they pick up the welder and they just, because in my world, it's all tubing. And so you're you're chasing a a circle around a circle while you're trying to weld it. And before you know it, you've tied yourself in a knot with, with the, with the, with the torch. And I would say, that's the other thing I see with people is they'll just grab the oxy fuel torch and they just start cutting, not realizing that that cut that's like 12 inches long. When I start here, super comfortable. By the time I get to the end, I'm all twisted up and all in a weird position. Whereas if you actually just sat down and spent and just set yourself up, dry run that cut and realize, okay, if I move my body six inches to the left, I'll, I'll be able to basically walk all the way through it. I would say that that'll be my biggest tip is dry run, it. dry run it first. And I don't see even plasma dry run that plasma, but you never know. I use a framing square. I have disposable framing squares that I use as my plasma guy because occasionally I slip and cut the framing square up. But uh, yeah, I'll just drop a framing square down and cut. But you'll you'll get out of position in a hurry, and then then you no matter what you do, it's not going to be straight. You know, Ian touched on something right there it was really important comfort. You know, when you have someone that's new to the process, and, and I don't care what it is that you're doing, it's this can apply to welding, any type of cutting process. You've got to be comfortable in what you're doing. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. Ian, you've you've attended our Fabtech shows when we're doing cutting competitions. You know, that's one of the critical pieces of that for somebody to be able to effectively make a clean, fast cut is yes, set it up, walk it through, get very comfortable. You know, even doing that straight cut, if you're not comfortable somewhere along the way, you're going to have to make an adjustment. As soon as you physically move your body, you're going to probably move your torch. So yeah, so it's a good point, Ian. I'll add to that, whether it's a straight line, a circle, something like that, oxy fuel, you have that flame. So you really need to use straight edge guides that are uh, uh, metal, right? But in pla- <laughs> but in plasma, like Ian said, with a framing square, you can get away with a lot with plasma because all that heat's going down. I don't have a preheat flame that's going out on the surface. All the heat is going down down through the cut. So I've, I've used melanin. I've used my, one of my favorites is electricians. It's called backing strap. It's a, it's non-conductive, but it's really dense and it's about an eighth of an inch. And I love it for a straight edge, you know, and that's what they use to isolate the grounding strip inside of a big uh, breaker box. It's a really cool, really cool material. So, and I, you can lay that down. It's super straight. It doesn't warp because it's it's an isolative material. I've traced stuff with cardboard. I've seen a lot of car guys put sheets of paper or cardboard first, cut all that out, and then do that layout on your on your material. That's another uh, tip when it comes to cutting a straight line. Most lines aren't straight, but um, of what you're trying to accomplish, and so having to think about what the size needs to be is really difficult if it's a three-dimensional object and paper is your friend. You wouldn't think that in metalworking, but laying a piece of paper out or over the top of something and then you trace it, well, then when you lay that flat, it's not the shape you thought it was, <laughs> right? And now, and now Ian, with all his tools, with like working it, right, it'll, it'll turn into the right shape. One of those tips and tricks for cutting straight lines or lines that you want to cut and not wind up short. 
that is awesome tips. I'm very confident. I'm going to go out into my shop and be way better at, at cutting stuff now. <laughs> <laughs> but I, well, I really appreciate you all for jumping on and talking about it. Where can people, like if, if they want to get in touch with you because they have more questions, what's the best way to reach out? Our website's probably the best place to start, Bo. Esob.com, lots of information. Phone numbers are there. Contacts are available there. You know, I always encourage people to go there for most of their information. I mentioned that we've got a library of training, documents, tools, more than you could possibly imagine. You know, take advantage of that. And mm-hmm. you know, even, even our tech support team, this goes beyond just Chris and myself. You know, we've got a uh, entire gamut of people there that goes well beyond what we do on all of our products. So it's it's all available through our website. And then John's cell phone is at the bot listed right there. No, <laughs> yeah, if you check the show notes, the direct lines. Yeah, the direct lines. No. Home <laughs> address is. Yeah. Exactly. No, so we're, you know, ESOB's a very global company. Bo, this, uh, you know, well.com is very global as well. Ian's a world international superstar, right? So, uh, you've, (laughs) and so you've, you've got, you've got a, a world of people literally watching this or listening to it. When you go, thank God for modern, uh, uh, capabilities of websites, right? Oftentimes when you go on to esob.com, it's recognizing what country you're in and it's going to automatically kind of direct you to phone numbers or to sites that are, are specific to the country you're residing in currently. And if it's not, but you're in a different country and you want the English version or you want the Danish version or whatever, you can, you can go click on the little icon at the top that does language or region. And then you can get those contact numbers because you do, you want to connect locally, you know, whether you're in Brazil or Argentina or all the way in Germany or Canada, you know, you want, you want that local person, you know, that's, that's going to be able to answer your questions and that those customer service uh, reps, tech service reps and uh, salespeople are there to help you. We, we solve problems, right? That's what we do. We, we're here to help you get what you need out of your welding and cutting applications. Way up into Canada. <laughs> That's right. And the frozen tundra. of Does, Is there any snow up there yet, Ian? Has it snowed? I, I don't know. I don't go up there in the winter. I don't want to be anywhere near that place. <laughs> I, mean, I, don't oh, I don't understand how that country got settled. How did, how did anyone, <laughs> how did anyone go up to the, when, when people, when, when, when the ship landed and the first winter hit, why would anyone stay? That's the part I can't. Because <laughs> some beautiful. people like snow, man. Yeah, some people beautiful. like snow. You like snow, you're crazy. I like to visit it. I like to visit it. I don't <laughs> yeah, want to shovel it. Shovel it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'll pounce on that. You yeah, know, that's probably right. a good application for a rosebud. There we go. I can see. Yep. There see? Melt all that snow. Yep. Melt there it all the way. I, if anyone wants to find me, the easiest way is always through social media. You can hit me up on Instagram, Ian from Big Tar Garage. I get stuff all the time sent there questions people want to know how to how to weld this cut this do that and i i try to respond to all of it if i can or or i store them up and then we make a youtube video about it for fun so yeah i'd say never never be afraid to shoot a thousand questions at me i'll eventually figure out how to answer them or i can call sherman he'll tell me (laughs) (laughs) well i appreciate you all for coming on and telling everybody all about plasma and oxycetylene and i hope I mean, if you say you want to make this a series, I'm I'm interested because that's this yeah. is fun. I've we've learned a lot. lot. We've got a lot of information that we can help we can help you with, Bo. So I'm sure this won't be a 
one and done situation. Right. Yeah. Anytime. Anytime. I love this. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of the well.com podcast. And thank you, Ian, Chris, and John for coming on the show. I learned a lot and I got to go try some of this stuff out. I also want to give a huge shout out to our sponsors, Lincoln Electric, for making the show possible and helping us all learn about the different pathways in the welding industry. If you have a topic that you'd like to cover on the show or you'd like to be a guest, reach out to me on the Weld app at BoDidIt or shoot me an email to BoW at Weld.com. Speaking of the app, I just want to say thank you to everyone who is sharing your work and asking questions. Each week, we're trying to make a video answering questions from there. So if you have one, drop it in the feed and you might just see it pop up on the YouTube channel. Until next week, we'll see you out there.